Welcome again, one and all, to the Disney Film Project podcast. This here podcast dedicated to the films of the Walt Disney Company and all those released by the Walt Disney Company and sometimes those that were sniffed around at by the Walt Disney Company. We will cover those films in depth, or so we hope, and we will try to uncover some of the little hidden details that make all of these films so much fun. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, uh, one of the hosts of this fine program. And uh, the owner proprietor of DisneyFilmProject.com, where uh, I try to review the shorts and features of the Walt Disney Company in chronological order. We're up to 1945, so everybody join in. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, we're at like 1947, but I'm not counting on it. Uh, first, in our line of spectacular folks joining this program this evening, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger at TouringPlans.com, who is the chief technical officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com, who is a man that I'm looking at on my computer screen. Hello, Todd. Hello, Ryan. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Feeling better. How is Florida today? Uh, good. I was trapped in training in this horrid room, actually. So, like, the training was good, and it was interesting, and it was about uh, estimation, which is actually something I'm really interested in. But it was like one of those rooms where... The AC is so bad that it kicks in really cold and you feel great. And then it cuts out completely instead of just winding down. And there's like 50 people in the room and you start to fall asleep because it's just getting hot and the air is not moving and you die. Oh. Wow, that's not good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were resurrected in time to uh, do the program. Yes, I feel much better now. Good. Um... So, like the old Monty Python uh, in the Holy Grail, you're dead, but you got better. Yes. Woo-hoo! Got it. All right, we have next Miss Brianna Alessio, chief blogger wizard at the Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com, uh, all around swell northeastern gal. How are you, Bree? I'm doing very well. How are you? I am also well. Good. Good. It's warming up in New York. It's warming. Oh, good. So there's no more blizzards. In New York. No more blizzards. We are not buried under a whopping 500 feet of snow any longer. So. And by warming up, you mean like it's in the upper 50s or something, right? Actually, today it was in the mid-70s. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. That is epic for New York. That is. Yeah. Uh, our fine, lovely, and talented producer who edits the seven-hour marathons that we do to record a show down to uh, an hour and some minutes depending on how long we talk and what sort of wonky slushish data we get into is miss cheryl perlmutter uh internet superstar and uh, fine purveyor of wisdom and wit how are you miss perlmutter doing good are you looking forward to discussing this movie i know you are yes i am this is one of my favorite movies me too i love fall- my favorite part is i can fall i fall asleep during this movie i'll wake up i know exactly where i am <laughs> of course <laughs> And on today's show, we will be discussing Cars, the classic song by Rick Ocasek. Not. No. 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 No, we're not? No. Uh, All right, I'm ill-prepared for this this show. Oh, that's it, I quit. Yeah. Yeah, Me too. Uh, All right, sorry. Wow, that that joke went over like a lead balloon. All right, moving on. (laughs) Uh, We're discussing Cars, the 2006 film produced by Pixar and released by Walt Disney Pictures, the last film... Uh, produced by Pixar and released by Walt Disney Pictures before the two companies became one and a synergistic marriage of love and merchandising. 
so recently re-released on Blu-ray and DVD. A sequel's about to come out, so it's a good time for us to discuss one of Cheryl's favorite movies as well as one of mine. This is one of my absolute favorite Disney movies uh, because I am a bit of a Route 66 buff as well. Uh, Sidetrack, it, it is one of my fondest desires to take a two-week trip from Chicago to L.A. on Route 66. And someday I will do it. That okay. sounds fun. You're not going to sing for us? Oh, please no. do. No, no, I'm not. Okay. All right, fine. We don't have a fun song to sing, like The Parent Trap. Well, maybe you could so. go Route 66. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think it would work. <laughs> but we could try it. But we're not going to. Uh, all right, so Cars, directed by the one and only Mr. John Lasseter, who's now the, I think I think the word is guru of uh, animated features, imagineering. Um, I think he might have control over what goes in the executive washroom as well uh, at Disney. But at that time, he was just the, the, the big cheese at Pixar. Uh, directed by him and Joe Ranf. This is the last film that Lasseter directed. Uh, the first one he had directed since Toy Story 2. The story by Laster and Joe Ranft as well. If you're not familiar with Joe Ranft, by the way, uh, he is the, one of the big story men from Pixar. There's actually a book uh, by uh, animation historian John Kaymaker about uh, him and Joe Grant, who was a story man on Snow White, called Two Guys Named Joe, which is quite excellent. Uh, I recommend it highly. You should go read that. Uh, but Joe Ranft uh, actually perished before this, this film uh, was released. And that was my question. <laughs> yeah, he, he died in 2005. Okay. Uh, and this film, as well as The Corpse Bride, yep. uh, which was done by a separate group of folks, was de- were, was dedicated to Joe Ranf. Um, this film has become a huge moneymaker for the Walt Disney Company. It had a big opening weekend, made $60 million, and, and was number one at the box office, and went on to make $244 million nationwide, and has spawned a merchandising bonanza for the yeah, company. And I think the $60 million is actually impressive because it is like half the cost of the film, and it is very impressive for a movie to make back half its cost in the opening weekend, unless it's a cheapo movie. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a very, very impressive uh, opening weekend, and, and the film itself, uh, overall, very impressive. Um, this It's estimated these days that Disney has made $5 billion, with a B, dollars in merchandising off of this movie. Um, if you go to a Walmart or a Target or uh, a Disney store or somewhere, you are going to see Cars merchandise. Or a Hallmark, for that matter. <laughs> yeah. True. I mean, just about anything they can think of. This was uh, it, this film has just been huge for Disney as far as making money off of the likenesses of the characters. I know myself, when the movie came out, uh, my son was about four years old. And under the guise of the fact that I had a son, I bought a little die-cast car of every character from the film. Awesome. Which I still have. Even more awesome. Yeah, because he gave them up. So in addition to being a merchandising bonanza for the company, it's also, uh, obviously, we mentioned spawned a sequel. We've had the Mater's Tall Tales that have been airing on the Disney Channel uh, that they were able to use to sell uh, more DVDs. So Cars has been a huge, huge success for the company. You know, they, they have Cars Land opening next year at uh, at. Disney's California Adventure, which I'm really, really eager to go see. You can, you can actually buy a DVD of uh, Mater's Tall Tales now, by the way. Yeah, that's right. You can. Good point. So lots and lots of money made from the company off of the back of cars. So let's dive right in, shall we? Vroom. All right. So did you say Vroom? Yep. 
Awesome. All right. So <laughs> the story of this film, we have, we are introduced immediately uh, to Lightning Queen. Ka-chow. Who I, is? I am lightning. <laughs> I am speed. <laughs> Focus. All right. Yes. Sorry. No, not Joe. I mean lightning. But for the big three-way race with uh, Chick Hicks, uh, portrayed by Michael Keaton, and the King, portrayed by the one and only Richard the Petty. King. Well, down here you you are not allowed to refer to him as Richard Petty. You have to call oh. him the King. Oh, okay. Fair yeah, enough. Having worked in NASCAR for a couple of years, you're not actually allowed to address Richard Petty back. Actually, no. it, it's it's one of my favorite things about the movie is that he constantly referred to him as Mr. the King. Yes. <laughs> so, so, true story. Absolutely true story. In my job, I've gotten to work with uh, Richard's son, Kyle. Kyle calls him the King. <laughs> no joke. That's awesome. Wow. He'll go, I yeah, I was having that- lunch with the King the other day. That's a statement. Yep. So... You're not allowed to call him Richard Petty. You have to call him the king. Okay. Uh, um, okay. If you live here, you guys are okay. All right. So it's a three-way race for the Piston Cup, obviously a doppelganger of what is now known as the Nextel, or excuse me, the Sprint Cup. It was the Winston Cup at the time this was released. Then became the Nextel Cup, and now the Sprint Cup. But the uh, the prize for winning the points race in NASCAR. Uh, so the three-way race, unfortunately for Lightning, ends up in a three-way tie because... Lightning has a huge, big lead, but being the cocky little dude that he is, he refuses to take tires in his pit stops. So it's a little bit of NASCAR strategy going on here. Uh, He instead does what's referred to as gas and goes. So he just gets gas and heads back out on the track. And I have to say, as somebody who worked in NASCAR for a couple of years, the realism of their pit stops, of the the way the cars sound, and the way that things, you know, the way the cars move across the track is really amazing. Like, they captured it to a T. Yeah, well, that's a Pixar hallmark, though, is to they do their research about a thing, even though they're doing something that's not real or anthropomorphic like this movie is. Right. They spend the time to do their research about the event, so they rode in race cars, they participated in pit crews. Well, they didn't change tires or anything, but they were on tracks and stuff as part of the research for the movie and whatnot. So they knew what they were doing. Yeah, and and down to the fact that the race, that they, the, the track that they are at is uh, a doppelganger of Bristol Motor Speedway, which is a really famous racetrack. Now, the one nit I will pick is that Bristol Motor Speedway is a half-mile track, and the track that's portrayed in the film looks more like a mile track. Because the Bristol Motor Speedway infield doesn't have room for spectators like they show in the movie. Okay. Just a little bit of trivia for you. Um, but it is obviously based on Bristol. But looking at the sta- like the stands, the, uh, the the leaderboard that's in the middle of the, of the track and everything is, is definitely based on Bristol Motor Speedway. Now, let me ask you a question. The, the cup, right? Uh, is... is um you said it was the Winston Cup back then. Was the Winston Cup a 400-lap race like this was? or was so, it- No, no, no. The Winston Cup is what you win, or again, now the Sprint Cup, is what you win for winning the points throughout the season. Okay. So, yeah, and, and they are deliberately vague about it in the film. Uh, they mention that, you know, these guys are tied in the points, which is virtually impossible, but if you were following NASCAR rules, but... Um, 
they're also they also kind of intimate that you know the winner of this race would win it so they're intentionally vague about that so that you don't have to get into the inanity of nascar rules which is which is quite crazy but yeah the, so you get points basically for winning a race for finishing second third fourth fifth all the way down the line and whoever has the most points at the end of the season is the winner that's the way the rules used to be uh, and at the, I believe at the time this film came out, that's the way the rules are. Now there's something called the race for the, the chase for the sprint cup, rather, uh, where the last 10 races, they reset the points and it's sort of like a playoffs sort of thing. Oh, neat. Hmm. Yeah. You would think not so much. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> so because they end the race, because he, he has chosen to gas and go, uh, his tires blow out, which is exactly what would happen if you tried to do this and it's happened on racetracks before and he has to limp across the finish line, allowing uh, the King and chick Hicks to catch up to him. And so things end in a three way break with three way tie. And the piston cup officials set a tiebreaker race for California one week later and lightning pulls up into his uh, hauler known as Mac portrayed by the Pixar good luck charm known as John Ratzenberger. Yep. Woo-hoo! And they head out for California in the hauler. But unfortunately for our fair hero, Lightning McQueen, he gets dropped out of the back of the hauler in a really funny scene where some hot rods come up and lull Mac to sleep <laughs> by playing any G for him. Yes, it, it, it's awesome too because they, they're, they're named after he's, the guy who plays the music is named DJ, right? That's the character. They go, hey, DJ. And then he comes up and he does and he goes, spin one. And they, they put that on. It's awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. And so, but Lightning, in his haste to try and find uh, Mac and get back on the road to California, he speeds through the little town known as Radiator Springs, starts getting chased by the sheriff, and ends up doing a lot of damage, mainly tearing up the road because he gets caught in barbed wire fence that wraps all around him. He gets Stanley, the statue of the town's founder. Uh, caught in the barbed wire, drags it down the main boulevard, tearing up the road, and ends up getting hung in the telephone pole wires. It's just a, it's a fabulous, frantic comic scene. That, you, you know what that reminds me of? Oh, you can go. You can go, no, Bree. I was say, don't you love when the hippie van is staring at it and goes, fly, Stanley, be free! <laughs> I love it. I love when he's uh, talking about, uh, in the talking about every third blink, he's, he's getting his... He's doing his theories already, his crazy theories already. He's still going, but it's hey, not every third blink is slower. <laughs> it's yeah. not a crazy theory. Do you know that? Did you know that it actually is? In the <laughs> film, they actually made every third blink slower. Awesome. <laughs> that's great. Um, now that's what you call attention to detail. When he's rip, when the pole that's in Stanley is ripping up the ground, it reminds me of the thing that I hated about Mary Poppins when they're in the Jolly Holiday scene and they're on oh, horses yeah. and it rips up the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I don't I don't know this for sure, but um, so Stanley's statue in the town as the town's founder, I don't know this, but I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that I think that's a callback to um, the, the town of Duckburg from the famous Carl Barks comics, the Donald Duck comics, where they had a statue of the town's founder. And like, if you go to Mickey's Toontown Fair, which you can't do anymore, uh, there was a statue of the town's founder there. Yeah. Of, of the fair's founder. And I believe in Disneyland, they actually have one as well. Uh, I haven't been in about four years, but somebody will write us and, and tell us whether we were right about that or not. Just tweet us at yeah. this film project. There you go. Um, we, we just tend to try to make stuff up and, and get people to respond, but it's okay. Uh, 
But Lightning then gets hauled before a judge known <laughs> as Doc, portrayed by the one and only Mr. Paul Newman. Woo-hoo! Last feature film before he retired and then uh, perished of lung, can- lung cancer. Uh, this would actually be Paul Newman's highest grossing film. So Interesting. He went out, went out on a high note. Yeah. Uh, but Doc wants to get rid of him for reasons that don't reveal themselves right away. But Sally, the Porsche, comes in, <laughs> portrayed Bonnie Hunt, and revs up the crowd. See what I did there? Pun. <laughs> yes. Convinces them to make him fix the road before he can leave. Now, now Sally's an interesting character because did you know that uh, her she's a, her the type of car she is is a play on words. Okay, I uh, remember the Merchant of Venice, right? The the female lawyer is named Portia. Let's say I do. Okay, so the female lawyer is named Portia in the movie. So, but it's P O R T I A. But she's a Portia and she's a lawyer. Okay, that's why she's a type of car. That's why the, she's a type of car. And she I like her name because Sally is one of the most awesome names I know. And okay. I like her name because I'm married to her. Yes. Exactly. Why do you think I said that? There we all go. love Sally. Sally. Hi, Sally. Hi, Sally. She's downstairs putting my children to bed. Isn't oh. she a saint? She is. Uh, she's also one of our biggest fans, by the way. She she listens to the show religiously because she doesn't get to hear it when I'm in the other room recording it. So I saw I saw a tweet the other week that she that she had to fix her something outside her car, adjust something so that she could listen to it. She she took the antenna off of her car because oh. the radio station interference was getting in the way of her listening to our show. I love That's it. Awesome. We yeah, have no antenna on our new car. <laughs> did you take it off, or did you just no? I, it's, it that I, one. Some of the no, modern cars, don't, you know, the don't antennas have. are all built into the frame rather than being external. Oh, yeah. now, so okay, there yeah. we go. So uh, Lightning is, of course, eager to get to California because he wants to get the new sponsorship from Dynaco, um, which is one of a bajillion Easter eggs in this film. Uh, Dynaco, because Dynaco was in the first Toy Story movie. Uh, Dynaco is in the theme parks. Uh, It's something that's important. What you just said is very important. This movie has more Easter eggs in it than probably any other Pixar movie. Probably than any other movie, movie period. period. Like you could, you could pretty much do go frame by frame, frame. in this and, movie. Yeah, and, and there's find pretty much something. Easter egg. I agree. We, and we'll go over a lot of them later, but not all of them because it would make the podcast be longer than our Happiest Millionaire podcast. Oh, yes. <laughs> it would take longer than Fortuosity to to go through oh, all these no. <laughs> so uh lightning doesn't want to do this so he he said he decides that he's going to fix the road right away and uh they hook him up to bessie which i think is the is is my favorite uh thing of the movie is is bessie the the tar or i don't know the asphalt laying uh machine who who's not actually animated like the rest of the cars which is kind of weird but you know yeah. whatever uh and he, he, in his, you know, eagerness to fix the road, drags Bessie forward one night, and uh, it ends up being a giant bumpy mess. And he, it's it's kind of funny. I really like Mater, who we haven't talked about yet, but Mater, the uh, the tow truck portrayed by Larry the Cable Guy. Obviously, I think the breakout character of the film. Larry the Cable Guy was known for the blue collar comedy tour at this point, but I think it was this movie that kind of you know, catapulted him to the next level, if you will. Yeah, a very enjoyable character, too. No, completely, every every line out of his mouth is completely entertaining. It is. Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. But uh, I love when, when lightning has fixed the road, but it's still, you know, a bumpy mess. Mater kind of bumping up and down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the first on the new road! Yeah. I like the beginning when he introduces himself. It's Mater as in Toe Mater. That's right. You have to love it. Uh, and But uh, Doc, of course, is not satisfied with Bumpy New Road because it's a giant mess. And he challenges Lightning to a race, which on the surface <laughs> seems like an insane thing to do. A, you know, 1950s car challenging a stock car to a race, which, again, not to pick nits, but uh, Lightning's not really doesn't really look like a stock car but and whatever. The, ta- the townspeople also feel that this is not the best idea because they go i ain't never seen him go faster than 20 <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so he challenges him to a race and basically says if you win then you get to go and if i win you fix the road my way and he takes him out to a dirt track which is the interesting piece and when uh the the flag is waved and they start going down the dirt track lightning takes off Doc just sits there in, in a nice little nice little piece of uh, I, I, I thought a nice piece of writing and, and lightning as he's preparing to make the turn uh, to come back to the finish line skids right off the dirt and off of off of the side of a cliff or not a cliff but you know off the side of a hill and, and into uh, a bunch of cactuses and Doc just sort of pulls up and has made her fish him out yep. basically intimating that he knew that was going to happen and Mater even says as much. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Begin to think he knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I can't play the cable guy, so I'll stop. Uh, but uh, he's forced to then fix the road right, and by doing so, it opens his eyes to the beauty of the town. Yes. And he's, you know, he sort of starts developing a love for Sally, the Porsche. He becomes very good friends with Mater when they go out tractor tipping. <laughs> Woohoo! That's my favorite scene! Yeah, I love how Mater just abandons him, too. He says, watch out for Frank before they get started. And then Frank shows up and he says, that's Frank! And he takes off. And then, uh, yeah, Frank's here, bye. I love how he, he's obviously done it before and he's enjoying himself, though, right? Because he's going, run! <laughs> run! And he's, everything's laughing. Now, yeah. now, Frank holds a special place in my heart because ever since Cars was released, when my family and I take our yearly trips to Hershey, Pennsylvania, we pass all this these green pastures and there's always a huge plow and we all point and we yell, there's Frank! As we're going <laughs> every year. Nice. Yeah. Do you run? You drive uh, faster to get away from Frank? No, we drive slower so we can take a good look at Frank. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. To each their own, you know. Well, he, uh, he's like, you know, he's not moving, so it's not that dangerous, so. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, so over the course of fixing the road properly, he, uh, lightning, um, it, like I said, his eyes are open to what's there in the town. And really the whole point of the movie comes home during a scene with he and Sally, where Sally uh, gasses him up, which they had only been giving him enough gas to... to keep going and fix the road but she she fills them full of gas and they go for a drive yeah and they go up to the Willwell motel and she kind of tells him the story of route 66 uh and if you don't know what route 66 is and you live in the u.s you need to know it because route 66 used to be the main way that people crossed the country to go uh, as, the, as the old chuck berry song says from chicago to la 
Yeah, well, I think that, you know, he started to win her heart when she saw how he treated Mater. Yeah. Okay, because she saw that he did have a good side. Because I actually write wrote my, in my notes that basically, you know, whereas in like Tangled, there's that one moment where the mer- movie turns. There's actually the movie turns over the course of the, neck, of the several scenes between when Mater says, because you're my best friend, all the way until this drive with Sally and they get to the wheel well. And right. that's that's the turning moment of the movie. That's when things change from between those two points. Yep, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's it's his what he does with Mater um, shows her that he can be trusted, and then she explains what's happening to him, and that brings about the or what happened with Route sixty six. So let's talk about briefly the real life story of Route sixty six that is portrayed in the film pretty accurately. I would say sure. Um, Route sixty six I mentioned was. The road that ran from Chicago to Los Angeles, and as Sally says in the film, the road went with the terrain. It was not, you know, it takes lots and lots of diversions. I've been on the road mostly from Chicago to St. Louis, uh, and not much farther than that. And it does. It, it kind of, you know, what's left of it these days. It, it takes twists and turns, and it take. It used to be. This is what spawned what was known as, you know, the '50s car culture, especially in California was Route 66, and it was used to have all these great roadside attractions and places to eat and things to see, uh, and it used to be the people would have cars, and they would go out, and they would drive to drive, not necessarily to get somewhere as quickly as possible. And again, this is all in the movie, uh, and it's very true to life. Yeah, uh, it, but, no, go ahead. Go. No, go. I was going to say that I there's a lot of... Um, Route 66, the actual attractions along the way built into what just this little portion of it that you see in the movie, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the characters, the settings, all of that in Radiator Springs is derived from real people along Route 66 and real places. Right. Like uh, Cozy Cone is actually the, the combination of two motels, right? It's uh, the Blue Swallow in New Mexico. It's Tucumari. I, the town in New Mexico, I can never pronounce it, but yeah. um, and um, the um, what is it? The the, the Wigwam Wing motels, Wigwam motels that are actually teepees, so they kind of turn them into cones because, of course, it's cars, so they have to have a car theme to them. Right, um, and then the name comes from the cozy cozy shack drive-in. Yes, uh, which which actually the invent claims to be the place that invented the corn dog. Yes. A lot yeah. of people also refer to it as the cozy dog drive-in as well, which is I, but I think you're right that it's the cozy shack. Yes. Um, the, um, the, the Radiator Springs – so outside Radiator Springs, there's a mountain right outside of it that looks like a old-fashioned radiator, the circular kind, not what you, you – know, not what you – well, you kind of sort of see it today, but it basically it's – It looks like a radiator cap right. in the movie. But. Right. But it's actually based on the, um, the Tucumari mountain range, mm-hmm. right? So it's, uh, that's really nice. I love that – okay, so – those are those are interesting things, but some of the mountains. That, so you know, um, on the real Route 66, there's the the uh, the Cadillacs that are all buried like halfway up, hanging out with their with their tails hanging out. If you look in yeah, the back, it's in if, it's, in, uh, it's a sculpture in Amarillo, Texas. Right, but if you look in the background in in some of the sweeping scenes in the movie, is there's actually a real Cadillac mountain range that's actually shaped just right. like it. So it's they do some really nifty nifty things. Yeah. So. 
and and there's there's tons of this stuff throughout the movie, and we'll put a link in the show notes to to to. There's a page uh, on the Route 66 uh, news page that that actually tells you about all the different things that are that are in the film. But you know, just a couple of others. You know, um, Ramon's body shop is actually um, a direct copy of the U Drop In, which is a gas station uh, that's recently been refurbished in uh, Shamrock, Texas. There is um, Lizzie's little curio shop. There are tons of places around Route 66 that look like this. Yep, the, um, um, the, the Kalibov National Forest is basically the scene where he's driving with Sally. That's, that's that road that they designed into the movie. Um, trying yeah, to think. Uh, There's Luigi's, tons of stuff. Luigi's Casa uh, Leaning Tower of Tires. There is a replica of the Leaning Tower of Pizza in Niles, Illinois. Oh. Uh, that, that, is, that is near the road. That's based on that. There's also a leaning water tower near Groom, Texas, uh, that they could have picked that from. Uh, Flo's diner uh, is is really shaped like an air filter, but the canopies are basically like a. There's a gas station in Needles, California, uh, that are that the the canopies are based after. Yep, Havasu all water. kinds of stuff. Yeah, Havasu waterfalls from the Grand Canyon because while the Grand Canyon is not exactly on Route 66, it's one of the most common tourist attractions outside of Route 66 itself for people who are driving on Route 66 to go to. Yeah, I mean, everything in this movie, guys, is based off of something in Route 66. Everything. That is you know, so awesome. I mean, they, it, it, we, we'll talk about you know how the movie came about and some of the things. Um, even the characters are based about Route 66. 66. So, uh, for example, Toe Mater uh, yeah. is it's kind of a combination of two folks. Um, Douglas Mater Kiever of North Carolina, who's a big NASCAR fan, uh, he is not a Route 66 guy, but he, they kind of combined him with uh, Dean Walker, who is a member of the Kansas Historic Route 66 Association, uh, and and combined their speaking voice. Uh, it's it's. Um, Harley Russell, who's the co-owner of the Sandhills Curiosity Shop, Oklahoma, provided the inspiration for the voice of Mater. So they kind of took pieces of people throughout uh, different sections of Route 66. Um, the VW bus, Fillmore, in the film, yeah. voiced by George Carlin, is actually based on an artist named Bob Waldmeyer, who is a hippie and who does drive a VW bus and drives up and down Route 66. And originally, the character was going to be named Waldmeyer. However, do you know why it is not named Waldmeyer? Oh, do tell. He is a devout vegan. And knowing that there would be a Fillmore toy in a Happy Meal, he refused to allow his name to be put on the character. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. Uh, And then uh, Sally the character Sally is actually based on who's played by Bonnie Hunt is based primarily on Don Welch, who is the owner of the rock cafe in Stroud, Oklahoma, which is one of the, one of the most acclaimed cafes on route 66. It's been written about and like, if, if you're like me and you read a lot about route 66, you know about the, the rock cafe. Uh, but it's, it's a huge one that's been featured. It's been featured on TV. It's been on, you know, it's been books, all this sort of thing. So, but uh, Don, who's the owner of that cafe was the inspiration for Sally. And then one last one, the sheriff, in the film is actually portrayed by Michael Wallace. All right, Michael Wallace. No, I promise he wrote the book Route 66: The Mother Road, which is considered the definitive book on Route 66. And he was also the consultant on this movie to Lassiter and the film crew when they went on their research trips down Route 66. He went with them, uh, and he voices the sheriff in the movie. 
So, uh, but the story of Route 66 is basically it died off because the interstate came through just exactly the way it happens in the movie. Uh, and the folks who live along the road, you know, they no longer get the traffic that they used to. Um, one of the great things about the film is that it brought new recognition back to Route 66. Uh, and again, there's an article I'll put in the show notes about uh, there is now there are now tourist attractions along the road based off of this movie. So it, it's done a great thing for Route 66. Oh, now I really want to go. Oh, you should. There is an actual the the actual. Uh, car the actual truck that inspired tow mater is they have put it aside and they call it tilt mater and it is set along route 66 you can go visit it they put the eyes in the disney uh helped them put the eyes in the windshield even i love it since we're on the eyes in the windshield so um except for a few cases right typically when cars were animated the eyes were always on the headlights for the longest time and it was done now mind you like the uh Susie's Blue Coop, which is a short that Ryan and I have talked about in the past. It, Ryan blogged about it, and we had a long conversation about it. Um, they that one did it in the uh, that one did the eyes on the windshield. Uh, there's a Tex Avery short that did it on the windshield as well. But um, this was the first time it was really popularized, and I don't think you'll ever see the eyes on cars be anywhere else again. Even Herbie the Love Bug, the eyes were the were the headlights. Lights, right. right, right. So. Well, was, and Susie, Susie the Little Blue Coop was one of John Lasseter's favorite shorts, too. Yeah. So I think it, he drew from that. I mean, his goal was to make the, the cars more expressive, and, and he drew from, from that short, I think. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. It really does. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I agree. Plus, Lightning has no headlights anyway. That's right, because he has stickers. Yes. As, all, <laughs> as all stock cars do. <laughs> uh, my wife was like, that's weird that he doesn't have I'm like, no, that's what stock car racing is all about. But anyway, um, so lightning is, is, you know, kind of discovering all of this about route 66 and how great this place could be. He also discovers that doc, the, the grumpy old judge played by uh, Paul Newman used to be a race car. And that is another key, key moment in the movie. A three time piston cup champion, three time back to back piston cup champion. That's right. Uh, from 1951 to 1953, but he became the Hudson Hornet in, in those days, and he, at that time, and, and the car that, that Doc is modeled after is a 1951 Hudson Hornet. Yes. Um, but the car at that time was was uh, a champion, but he wrecked, and what therefore was not allowed basically back into uh, becoming a, a race car driver, which is part of his bitterness about the whole situation. Not uh, true. He mentions that he was re- he was rebuilt and went to go back, and they said no. Yeah, when they when they went right, they wouldn't take him back as a race car. Yeah, yeah, that's that, what I said. Okay, fair enough. Fine. Is that not what I said? I think you implied it the other way around, like they kicked him out. That it was done after the wreck. Yeah, but that's okay. Uh, I don't care. I don't care. I'm good. It was done after the wreck. That's all right, wasn't it? Because he he was he wrecked and then he got rebuilt and they wouldn't let him back in. That's right. This is what I'm saying, people. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but after he 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 discovers this, he tries to tell the townspeople and they don't believe him. Of course, they're like to Todd's point. They say Doc. I've never seen Doc go over twenty miles an hour. But Doc is still, you know, understandably a little bitter about his race racing experience and. Lightning is getting ready to leave 
leave the town because he's finally fixed the road. But instead of leaving right away, which he could have done, he stays and tries to help the town. Well, no, there's a there's a tractor stampede. Love it. Well, yes, yes, there is. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, he because it's well, the stampede is important because he actually separates at some point, realizes he has a full tank of gas. He could actually escape at that moment. Yeah. And he chooses not to. No, he goes and finds Doc over in the pits. He isn't trying to he escape. Sees, he sees Doc at the racetrack. Yeah, he's but he not looks, trying to he, escape. But he no. looks down the road, doesn't he? No, that's, no, it's back with Sally. Yeah, that's oh, okay. when Sally gives him the whole oh, okay. tank of gas. Okay. Yeah, there's just a lot of room. I'm so glad I'm not the only one who messes up the story. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Oh, that's right, yeah. I remember. Because Doc has his old race car t- tires on. Go. All right. So, yeah, <laughs> he sees Doc trying to race uh, because of lightning. Uh. I don't have a little bit of that in him. But as he's getting ready to leave the next morning, again, he doesn't have to go. He, he, he could go, right, because he's completed what he has to do. But he sticks around to try and help the people in the town. And he does that by being a customer, which they haven't had in years. Um, he gets tires from Luigi's. He get which I thought was pretty funny because he gets the white wall tires and they say above them fettuccine Alfredo, which is of course a white sauce. <laughs> I like uh, I, I like how Luigi sells them. Too. He goes black wall tires. They blend into the pavement, but the white walls tires. They say notice me. <laughs> yes, Luigi uh, portrayed by the wonderful Tony Shalhoub. Yes, of, of monk fame. Indeed. Yes. And wings fame if you're you know a little older. Yes. Wings. I met Tony Shalhoub. What? I met Tony Shalhoub when I was, I think I was six or seven. I was in New York City with my parents at a restaurant called Virgil's. And we were sitting there and he walked by and he smiled at my parents and gave me a wink. So Tony Shalhoub hit on you when you were six. Yeah, it was kind of cool. That's kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, moving on. Uh so the last thing that he does is he works with the townsfolk to fix up the neon in the town. And so as night falls, they turn the neon on, and that fulfills Sally's wish. Because her, her fondest wish was to see the town the way that it used to be. And so they're able to cruise up and down and see the town of Radiator Springs the way that it used to be. And, and Life that, would be a dream. Shaboom, shaboom. Sorry. The famous song from the movie Clue. Thank you very much. The Shaboom song that plays during the party scene in Clue when everybody, when the uh, cop is trying to see what's going on and they're uh, pretending like they're making out with the dead people. But anyway. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, you, have you not seen Clue, Brie? Not seen Clue, and I get tortured by a million people. Uh-oh. That I have, especially Betsy. Yeah, Betsy, I think, watches that movie more than my wife does, which is saying something. Betsy could recite, recite the entire words to that sh- movie backwards. Yeah. Uh, so could I, because I've seen it. Even my children love it. All right, Bree, we're going to have to get that taken care of for you. Okay. Uh, all right, Clue, putting it on the list. All right. It's but, on the uh, Diz Film Project list, though. It's there on you go. the side lists. Exactly. Yeah. So it's on those uh, those random shows where we'll talk about films that might not be Disney films. All right, so... <laughs> They still have to be PG-13 or less. That's correct. Um, but 
all of this revelry gets interrupted because Doc has, uh, we don't know this immediately, but it turns out that Doc has called the media and they come and find Lightning McQueen, who's been missing this whole time. Nobody knew where he was. And he gets back into Mac and heads out to the race in California. Wait, but before then, they show the ghost light. <laughs> that, that's right. The the ghost light references. <laughs> so this is this is very important. Right. So one of the one of the it, this is it's a short that was on the DVD when the DVD was released, right? Yes. Am I not am I not mistaken? You're correct. The, the ghost light is this uh this horror story that Mater tells in the thing. I don't I won't get into the whole thing of it, but they make the joke about four times during the course of the movie as Mater goes ah the ghost light right. It, it, yeah. He does he does it when they're in the field doing the tractor tipping at some point when they're driving back from the tractor tipping at this point in the movie. So yeah. They refer to it often, and then they do the short on the DVD to fill you in. It's it, it's a really cool place, cool uh, example of like advanced planning. You know and, what I mean? And one of our Twitter connections right now is um the new the guy that does um all the Disney singing that has been featured a few times on 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 Twitter. Um, actually, is a modelist for does models for Pixar, and did the models for the Ghostlight movie. With What's Mater. his Twitter handle? Um, Nick Patera is his name. Okay. I believe that's his Twitter handle is Nick Patera. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Lightning heads out to uh, to California for the race, and he's getting ready to do the race, and you, it's it's a nice callback to the beginning of the movie. He's trying to psych himself up, but in the middle of psyching himself up, he sees Sally driving past a waterfall. So you right. can tell his focus is not quite where it used to be. Right. Well, <laughs> let, so t- the difference is in the very beginning of the movie, right, he, he's... he's he sees himself racing, right? And then he goes to black again, and he starts thinking about breakfast. He sees himself racing, and he goes to black again, right? And here, instead of going to black, he goes to Sally. He goes to seeing Sally drive. That's that's the difference. He can't. He now has two sides to his life. He's not because of that changing point. He's not a one-dimensional creature anymore. He's become more than he was at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and he sees he sees the racetrack, and then all of a sudden he sees all his friends there at Radiator Springs, then back to the racetrack, and then Sally by the waterfall, and then he knows that he's not where he should be. He's not mentally prepared. As they say in boxing, women weaken legs. Can't be thinking about women when you're trying to box. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but so... The, the race he starts the race and he he falls behind and there's i swear this scene is in every movie that deals with nascar uh all of a sudden a voice comes over the the radio of a new crew chief which if you're not familiar with nascar the crew chief is the guy in the pits who basically calls the the strategy of you know you should pass here you should come in for a pit stop you should get gas you should get left side tires right side tires all that kind of stuff and the crew chief who has come in is Doc Hudson, who is fully repainted in his fabulous Hudson Hornet gear, and he has brought everyone with him, including Mater, because he says Mater didn't get to say goodbye. <laughs> and then Mater, of course, responds, goodbye! All right, I'm, I'm done! Good. <laughs> I'm good! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can probably tell where this is headed, right? Lightning wins the race, and all is well and happy in Funland, right? That that's that's where this is headed, right? No, not at all. No, no, no it's it not. Ends, ends better. But it's, it's but there are enjoyable moments. Oh no, it's it's I I think it's actually a better ending for the film. Yeah. It's absolutely a better ending for the film because what happens is Chick Hicks uh knocks Doc Hudson or rather knocks the king who we Mr. must the refer king. to as the king, Mr. Mr. The, king. the king. 
off of the track and lightning is about to win the race but he decides to forfeit and go back and push the king across the finish line while chick races to the piston cup yeah, he, he has a moment of conscience again going back yeah. to the fact that he actually has a conscience now whereas well, he didn't in the beginning i also think he you know again he had been in the garage and he had seen that we and we actually see that as well the yeah the picture of of him crashing and it goes back and says you know yeah, that shouldn't be yeah right. he saw the picture of Doc Hudson crashed, crashed, and it kind of forces him when he looks at the king crashed, yeah. and he thinks about the same thing and how Doc turned out and was so upset for many right. years. And, and, and he said, and, and really, what, how he does it, and he pushes him along, and the announcers are going, oh, he's not pushing him, he's just drafting him. Yeah, <laughs> he's just <laughs> giving him a draft. draft. Right, and, um, but, <laughs> but he... just, like, the, stops in front, of, in front of the finish line and just, like, stares straight ahead as... Yeah. as yeah, you know, he's, his yeah. moment of conscience. Yeah. Right, oh yeah, right. it's fantastic. Yeah. But uh, and he says, but when he come when he comes up behind him and Mister the King says, "What are you doing, kid? You could have won the race." And he goes, he goes, "No, I think you have to finish your last race." You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, "What about the trophy?" And then it's just, it's just an empty. A friend of mine told me it's just an empty cup. Empty cup. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Very powerful scene. So after that, of course, Lightning gets offered the sponsorship of the Dynaco, uh, but he turns it down because he wants to stick with the Rusty's guys who gave him his big break. And he ends up uh, fulfilling one of his promises to Mater, however, and getting him into the Dynaco helicopter. And he decides to set up his racing headquarters in Radiator Springs to help revitalize the town and literally, based on the uh, tags at the end of the movie, put it back on the map. Yeah, I love how um, Mater was like a tornado in a tra- happier than a tornado in, you know, a, trailer in a trailer park. park yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's very important. So at the end of the movie, my notes, you know, are I just wrote down, you know, it's Chick wins the race, but Lightning wins the day. That's that's the yep. key thing that goes on here, and the Dynaco owner actually echoes this because he says there's a whole lot more to racing than just winning. Yeah. Right, which well, okay, considering there's a dollar amount involved in real racing, probably not so true. But <laughs> <laughs> But hey, you know, whatever. And yeah. then uh, um one of my other favorite scenes is um when the when and I love translating the scene because I, I know enough. Because once you learn one language like Spanish, you can pretty much translate the rest of the romance ones. So I love when the when he goes into the Michael the Michael Schumacher Ferrari goes into goes into the Luigi store oh, yeah. and goes yeah. for tires and Luigi passes out and then he goes starts talking Italian to Guido and Guido you know, passes like, out. Yep. The whip fall over. That's great. Oh. Does anyone know if there was a hidden meaning behind Lightning McQueen's number of ninety five? Yes. Yes, there was. Please share. It was the year that Toy Story came out, the first Pixar film. You want to know something else? Oh, what? What was his original number going to be? Oh. It was. He was originally going to be fifty-seven. You know why? Because that's when John Lasseter was born. Yes. Oh, very cool. See, I love. Yeah, him. I mean, John Lasseter really poured his heart and soul into this movie. Yeah. He really uh, did. This this movie is undeniably his i think you know joe ranch helped him with the story and how it all got put together obviously but i mean if you n- have read anything or know anything about john laster like this is his movie i mean this is the movie 
you know, Toy Story bears a lot of him. This, I think, though, is like if you want to point to the definitive John Lasseter film, this is it. And also the film has a lot of heart. You can really see that through the characters. Yeah, well, and because, you know, we talked about the characters being based on people on Route 66. I mean, these are people that he met. You know, they took they took uh, two long road trips driving the entirety of Route 66. They rented white Cadillacs to drive up and down the road. And they met these people, and they talked to them, and they interviewed them, and, you know, did all sorts of research about this. So these were people that he knew, and he had befriended. You know, I mean, he spent years with Michael Wallace, the yeah. historian, you know, to talk about what they were going to do with this movie. So, you know, it's not like it's not like they came up with these characters from scratch like they do in other movies. These yeah. these were people that he knew. It, it's also, he it's also important to note that the original name of the movie was going to be Route 66. Yeah. But they changed it because they didn't want to conflict with the television sh show that was on. They thought it would be too confusing. Um, so, you know, well, you have to remember too, Ryan, is that um, this was, like you said, this was the last um, Pixar movie before it was Disney Pixar, right? right? And at that point in time, they really didn't know what was going on yet. Okay, and he the so he threw himself so into this movie because he wasn't even sure at that time if this would be his last Pixar film or not because if they got bought, there was a chance that he might not still be there at that right. point in time because that's very common when companies get bought and sold like that. So it's uh, you know, he was just it was almost it was like a last hurrah that never had to happen, but it was so good that it happened kind of thing. No, absolutely. I mean, he, he really kind of threw himself into this. And actually, they held up the release of the movie. It was completed early. And they held up the release of the movie because Steve Jobs was using it somewhat as a bargaining chip yes. uh, in the negotiations with Disney. So, wow. Um, but, you know, in, in almost every way you can think of, Lasseter just really, you know, took control of this film. He asked for the the studio artist to come up with a new process whereby the world outside of the characters was reflected in the characters because these these cars have you know shiny veneers and mirrors and those sorts of things and it would look bad if those things were not reflected on the cars and that process was developed for this film which made it way more complicated than any film they had done to this point and in fact, it took it took seventeen hours to do a frame of, to render a frame of this film. Wow! It was so complex. Very very interesting. Yeah. So, um, you want to start just going through the little bits of trivia and stuff? I mean, I know we're not going to get through all of them, but we might as well just you know plow them out. Yeah, some, some of the most some... more interesting ones, you know. I, well, I, this we is a, music this too. is this is one I personally like. We can talk about the music too. That's fine. We can intersperse that if you want. Um, so there's a there's a lot of character names that you know you've heard before in other movies, but um, what what's very interesting is is we were talking about the type of cards that Sally is earlier, right? Mm -hmm. But she's actually named Sally for a reason. Is there's an Isaac Asimov story uh, called short story called Sally, and it's about a sentient robotic car named Sally. Yep. So and a lot of the character names from from this are taken from that from that short. Oh, is that what is that? They all come from the yeah, short. Yeah, there, there are other ones that are that are that are in the movie. I haven't looked them all up, but there's other character names, not the main characters, I don't think, but there's others that are that are from the from that that uh, story. Okay, so um, another very interesting thing is that you, there's a uh, there's a stock car number eighty four in the movie. This is the car <laughs> with the Apple logo on it, 
and it's because uh, 1984 was the year that the first Macintosh was released, and so it's it's play it's, it's playing uh, that to that. And I think that um, because it, well because it's because Steve Jobs owned Pixar before at one point in time, so. Yeah, well, at this point in time. At this point time. in time, that's right. That's true. At this point in time, that's why he was selling it. <laughs> um, let's see the uh, some very famous um, one of the one of the very common things that's in every single Pixar movie is this number A one one three, which is the room at the um, California Institute of Arts where they where they basically all studied how to mm-hmm. become animators. Most of the original artists for Pixar. It appears twice in this movie. Once is on the train that almost hits uh, Lightning McQueen. When he's lost in without without headlights, right? Mm-hmm. And the other is it's on Mater's bumper, uh, Mater's plate as well. Fillmore's license plate. So Fillmore's played by George Carlin. Yep. Uh, his license plate actually says five twelve thirty seven, which is uh, George Carlin's birthday. Yes. Oh. I remember reading that one. Uh, so then the king, who uh, is you know supposed to be an analog for Richard Petty. Yep. Uh, the king. Uh, the design of his car is a is the same car that he used in 1970 on the NASCAR circuit. Interesting. Uh, Lightning McQueen is a reference to Glenn McQueen, who's a Pixar animator that died in 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Brie. Yes, go ahead. Is Doc Hudson a reference to Rock Hudson, I'm assuming? Kind of? Maybe? I don't know. I would, would make so. sense, though. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I think the character is actually taken from a real NASCAR driver. Yes. I have the okay. name and everything. Uh, oh, Bo, what? Go for there it. There we go. Yes, there goes yes. the wonky swoop. Uh, <laughs> so Doc Hudson is based on a real-life NASCAR pioneer, Herb Thomas, who drove Hudson Hornets. Oh. Okay. There we go. Okay. Uh, and he drove them in the year, in two of the years that were on the Piston Cups that Doc Hudson had actually won. He, it was 1951, 1952, and 1953 in the movie. This, he, the Herb Thomas actually won in 1951 and 1953. Okay. Oh, interesting. There you go. Uh, yeah. There's also a ton of cameos in this movie. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got more there. Wait, there's more. I just found oh, another So uh, Herb Thomas's career was actually ended by a crash as well. Yeah. No, his career, it's very much the same as, as Doc in the, yes. in the movie. Yeah, I did know that. I'd forgotten his name. Um, but but as I was saying, there are tons and tons and tons of cameos in this film. So if you, you know, the from the very beginning, the announcers are Bob Costas and Daryl Waltrip, uh, and they have their car name analog. So those those are pretty obvious. The names are brilliant. They are Bob Cutlass and Daryl Cartrip. I mean, how awesome can you get? And you have, I mean, you have Jay Leno does a cameo from the Jay Limo show. You have uh, Jeremy Piven, who is portraying the same character he portrays on Entourage as Harv, the agent, who's only seen in uh, the the phone. So, and then the birds from the For the Birds short appear when uh, Lightning is driving down the the road, uh, or rather when Max driving Lightning down the road. Uh, and then, of course, in the racing scenes, Dale Earnhardt Jr. appears in his uh, Budweiser car, which at that time was number eight. He's now number 88 and drives the Mountain Dew car, but uh, ah. that time he was number eight. And I, he I, does voice. And also, the Mrs. the King yes. is actually Mrs. the King. Awesome. if you didn't get get that it's richard petty's wife actually if you want well the credits are very enjoyable which is very typical for a um 
a Pixar movie. One of the things they're doing is they have so they have Mac, who's John Ratzenberger's character in this movie, and he actually is watching Cars versions of all the prior Pixar movies since from Toy Story until Cars. Okay, yeah. and he's but he's watching scenes with the characters that he plays in them, and he's going. <laughs> This guy's a fantastic actor. I like, and then he goes, hey, wait a minute. They just keep reusing the same guy with the same voice over and over again. And it's, and he's, so Ratzenberger is Pixar's good luck charm, for those people who yes. don't know. They, they will not put out a movie without him being in it. And it's, everybody wonders what will happen should the inevitable ever happen. So it, it's just one of those things that constantly go so he has literally voiced a character in every movie like in uh bug's life he's the the ringleader of the uh flea circus i forget the character's name uh pt flea pt flea okay and he's um, ham, toy story films ham and toy story um there's um so it you know it goes on it's very entertaining uh but what i love is if you watch it all the way to the very end is you remember is there's um a couple of characters who have come up um, to lightning when he's in town, he goes, help me. I'm being helped yeah. by crazy people. Right. And they freak out and they take off, but they don't take off down the road. They take off into the, into the desert basically. Cause they're so mm-hmm. freaked out by the town. And so this is the let, and the next time you see them in the movie is at the very last thing in the credits, basically after everything else. And he goes, and he goes, Oh, for the love of Chrysler, which is, you know, Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I had to rewind that three times because I thought they said something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. It, no, it's it's extremely funny. I mean, just just a really great and the music. So John Laster again poured his heart and soul into the film. He actually designed the soundtrack. He picked the songs and he designed the soundtrack album because he said he wanted to make it the perfect road trip album. And that he did. Yes, he did. I it's mean, like, fantastic. Rascal Flatts' Life is a Highway is obviously the most popular and the one that everyone relates to this film. But my personal favorites are Find Yourself by Brad Paisley and Our Town by James Taylor because they ha- just have so much meaning and they relate to the movie so well. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few films that, that I, that's not a musical where right. the soundtrack evokes the feeling of the film. I agree. I would agree with that, yeah. And we talked about this in Bambi. Like, I don't really care for songs being played over the film. It's just a little thing of mine that irritates me. But this one does it the proper way in that they relate the songs to the movie without them being intrusive. Like, if everybody did it this way, I'd have no problem with it. It's the Tarzan-Bambi way where they play it and they do a montage or something that it seems unnatural that I don't like. Okay. I would disagree with you, Mr. Kilpatrick. As well you should. Uh, because who knows what I'm talking about. Uh, all right. But, yeah, I, I, I just think this movie is John Lasseter's love letter to Route 66 and the car culture that he grew up with. And when a director or a storyteller, you know, gets that sort of passion, it comes through on the screen. And I think in in this film, it does, you know, better than better than any of the other Pixar films. Not to say it's necessarily the best Pixar film or it's, you know, or anything like that. But this is the film that Pixar has made that is the most 
one person's vision directly there on the screen. So like Todd said, there are a bajillion Easter eggs and we're not going to cover them all. Uh, it just speaks to the detail that was that was in the film. So if you are interested in the Easter eggs, we'll try and uh, list a bunch of those uh, or links to those in the show notes as well. But uh, for now, young Miss Brianna Alessio, how will you rate Cars? Before I rate it, I wanted to mention a couple things that I didn't get to mention yet. Um, no. Sally, oh, I noticed oh, okay. one of those... Yeah, when those those two cars came into town, she said, "Oh, we have customers," and everyone was was all excited. Did you notice when she was bringing them into Radiator Springs, she offered them if they stayed at her motel, she offered them a free Lincoln Continental breakfast? Yes, I did. I thought that was brilliant. And also, what were supposed to be little flies were actually little itty bitty cars, which I thought was quite adorable. They're, they're not just itty bitty cars; they're bugs. Yep, they're VW Beetle, bugs. They're VW bugs. They see. I didn't get a good look at them. Were they okay? <laughs> oh, the attention to detail in this movie, unbelievable! Like yeah. that, you know, like like you said, you can't, you know, unless you unless you're seeing it like on a bigger screen, it's hard to tell that those are bugs. But like everything, like I mentioned the NASCAR details, but the little the little pieces of rubber that come off of the tires and form little hard uh, rocks almost. I mean that happens in NASCAR. You see those as you're driving down, as they're driving the the trail in NASCAR. I mean that's a detail that he didn't have to put in the movie. But just, you know, that attention to detail. And then the stickers on all of the race cars, you know, you can't read all of those. No. But they're there, and every one of them is a joke. Oh, yeah. Like, um, in, in the beginning, what are the cars is being – so the tires are light year tires, okay? And they even have a light year blimp. But one of the cars that's being pulled off the track in the beginning after the wreck is a blue car. If you look um, very carefully on the sidewall of its tire, it says Sector 4 Gamma Quadrant, which is the quadrant where Buzz Lightyear was supposed to have come from. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that. Yeah. And since we're talking about Sally, I wanted to talk about her alter ego, um, Bonnie Hunt. And when Bonnie Hunt actually had her talk show, um, she gave away many stuff from Pixar. Um, Pixar was really nice to her. In addition to being in Cars, she was in Toy Story 3. I loved that show. It was a great show. <laughs> I agree. Did, did you know Pixar appears in the movie? I know that Emeryville, California appears in the movie. I did not know Pixar appears yeah, in the so, movie. Yeah, so, well, uh, em, you want to explain Emeryville, California really quick? Sure. It's, it so, appears twice in the movie. Do you know both points? I only know the one. So the okay. one that I know of is uh, they they are showing when they're getting ready for the big Piston Cup race at the end, they show that basically cities around the country have shut down for the race of the century, and they show Emeryville, California, you know, uh, closed. Yes, which is the home of Pixar, by the way, for Correct. people who don't know. The second time is actually earlier in the movie uh, when they're doing the Rusty's commercial. There's a green car, and it has the license plate is a shortened version of Emeryville. Oh, okay. Okay. But Pixar itself is actually in the movie, or rather a satellite photograph. So if you if you pause the the uh Thunderbird scene when they fly over the stadium at the end of the the final tiebreaker race, okay? Yeah. They show one of the really quickly they have a heads up display from inside of the cockpit of one of the the planes, right? If you look on the bottom right corner, there's a satellite image and it's a satellite image of Pixar on the bottom Studios oh. right on the bottom right corner of the screen. Holy cow. That so, is neat. That is so neat. I'm telling you guys, frame by frame, there's probably an Easter egg in every frame of this movie. There is, probably. Yeah. I forgot to mention one of the most underrated characters in this film, and who was so brilliant, Red the fire truck. <laughs> he is great. 
He's like your by Joe Ramp. Your puppy dog of the movie. Absolutely. You know, I think that's why. He touches my heart, and he's always crying and running behind the, that display and knocking all the tires over. He's so cool. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, cars. Uh, there's just so much to talk about. You know, like you want to say it all, but like I said, people, you have to understand there are literally hundreds and hundreds of Easter eggs in this movie. So you can't. There's no way we can name them all. Oh yeah, and, and I think that's what what I really love about it is like you get something different every time you watch. You know, every time you watch the movie, there's you can pick up on new details. Um, but anyway, so we we will try to include as many of those in the show notes as we can. All right, now Bree, moment of truth. What shall you rate cars? Okay. So, the first quarter of the movie for me, I find to be a little bit slow. And I had forgotten it was a little slow. So I was thinking, oh, how's this going to go? I really don't want to give this a bad score. But then almost right away, it picks right back up. And, and I just fall completely in love. I love the moral of the story. There's more than one. I mean, it shows you what's truly important in life, knowing who your real friends are, staying true to yourself, and making sure you live a full, happy life. So, that being said, I'm going to give it a four. Um, I started out by, by wanting to give it a three, but as I said, that was like a quarter in. And then I saw the rest, and it just melted my little heart. So, I am going to give it a four. Alright, Pearl Mutter household. I know there's a five coming from Miss Cheryl Pearl Five. <laughs> from, I, from the male of the Pearl Mother household. Oh, I, I'm going to go with Bree also and go with a four. I I enjoy what? this movie. What? Oh, do I Again, go? Uh, you might oh. want to reconsider. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Five. There we go. It's the happiest millionaire moment, folks. It's the happiest marriage moment is what it is. <laughs> But best if movie you ever. Hypothetically, were to give it a four. If I if I was hypothetically, if, you know, should the choice you know not like cause me imminent harm, I might choose a four. <laughs> but I'll go with a five instead. <laughs> uh, I, meanwhile, will join your beautiful bride in giving this a five. Uh, it is probably my favorite Pixar film. Uh, as I am a Route 66 lover. Uh, again, it's my dream to to take the same trips that they took down Route 66. I don't think I'll rent the white Cadillac, but, you know, you never know. I might. Um, I, I just love the whole car culture, the 50s and 60s and all of that stuff. And uh, this movie just kind of perfectly speaks to me. And frankly, it actually makes me worry about the sequel because – that is so much a part of this film that I worry about a sequel set overseas, uh, which I know why they're doing it. It just concerns me. Yeah. Not gonna... Understood. Uh, but that, that's Cars. We love it. You should watch it. Uh, I think we should set a challenge out to our listeners that um, you guys need to go frame by frame and catalog every Easter egg in the film. Yes. Or and then just links. The yeah. one and the one thing I wanted to mention is the, the connection with the parks. In addition to Lightning McQueen now moving to Late Summer's Action, I love when they first introduced him. They used to have the guy that one with one of the Streetmosphere guys be Harv, and they used to come out with a team of people with Lightning McQueen and drive down the street. Do you nice. remember that, Todd? 
Yes, I do remember meeting the Harv character. Yes, yes, they used to have that come out, and that was so. And and he'd have they'd have Rusty's cans, and they'd be having him like pretend to be shooting Rusty's commercials. It was actually very entertaining. When it they, was when they first oh, fantastic. <laughs> so that's so, so something to remember remember that by before he moves over to his new home. That's fabulous. You know, Cars Land would fit really well with the theme of uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. Just saying, just throwing it out there. Uh, but anyway, that's our our program on the Pixar film Cars. Uh, I'm assuming that most of you have either bought it on Blu-ray this week or soon or uh, or own it already. But uh, we love it, and so should you. All right, so uh, in the meantime, until our next program, you can keep up with us on Twitter, at DizFilmProject. Uh, tweet us your comments, your questions your snide remarks, your uh, answers to our trivia questions, or just, you know, say, hey, guys, we love the show. We, we like that, too. Uh, you can go be a fan on Facebook. We need more fans. So go be a fan on Facebook so that we can name the page, please. If you could yes, please, please do that, that would help us out. Um, you can visit our website, DisneyFilmProject.com, and you can find all the links to download the program uh, or subscribe to the RSS or iTunes. Or if you're just lazy, you can listen to it right there on the site. You know, whatever you want, man. However you want to listen, we got it taken care of for you. Uh, and you can read my blogs on the site. You can read my blogs at TouringPlans.com or at DisneyDermanLife.com. You can go uh, check in with Mr. Todd Perlmutter weekly at uh, TouringPlans.com and hear all of his wonderful advice on how to get the best out of your Walt Disney World vacation. You can see what Bree's been up to at Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com. Um, she she has adventures. I'm just telling you. Uh, and that is where you can keep up with us until you can get your next fix of the Disney Film Project. Or you can go and listen to all the episodes again. That's always an option. Just throwing it out there. Uh, how Whatever you do, though, if you could please tell your friends, spread the love, let everyone know about the show. Uh, leave us a review in iTunes. That helps us out as well. So uh, until next week, we will disappear and talk about another great Disney film. And as Cheryl opened the show, vroom! Bye, friends. Float like a Cadillac, sting like a beamer. <laughs>